Greetings, my friends. Welcome to Minute with Mark. This is Mark, and we are in transit, darting through the mountains on our way to Colorado from Phoenix for two weeks of skiing. I got my limit, I got a few limitless guys in the car here, and we were on an interesting subject of kind of my revelation lately of how people succeed, not not how they succeed, but kind of like the ultimate predictor of success, at least for me. And we started chatting about it, and Toshiro the Hero goes, that should be a podcast. And really, Minute with Mark was originated because I'm hanging out with my buddies, we're having cigars or whatever, and we visit, and over and over, people said, that should be a podcast. You should make that a training. And so eventually, I just tired of hearing that. So we started this podcast, and here we are. So here's the short story. So I think we'll probably call this like, you know, the ultimate uh, pre-commit. I don't know what we'll call it, but let's. Here's the concept in brief. So, in particular, uh, the principle. I'll give you the case study first, and then we'll give the principle at large. And then Bryce and Tyler and Matt's driving. He may have some interjection. We'll have a little conversation about it. But I think this is one of the, the golden keys of achieving the outcome, of why people achieve the outcomes they desire and why they don't. And so here we go. Here's the case study. So with Limitless in particular, I had a, it's about three years time? Yeah, three years and some change. So about three years ago, I had this idea of a collective group of kind of a frat model of guys in their 20s that would have be financially prospering in their 20s, not in their 40s or 50s, but actually in their 20s, that they would have businesses with clean tax habits started, retirement accounts started, that their lives would be orderly, that they would be somewhat chivalrous, that's mispronounced, but you get the idea, chivalry, uh, deportment. Just I had this vision of kind of a a really well-developed crew of guys that were were really something special with organized lives in their 20s. And I didn't have a ton of models to look at, right? I just didn't have a lot of things that I could point to that said, okay, well, that's, I'll just follow that model because that culture produces that. You know, you look at frats and it's like, yeah, maybe they produce something like that, but not really. You look at the military and those are more, you know, military can produce great great things. But again, that's more of an obedience culture. I wanted a creative culture of a variety, a very colorful personality batch. So we'll have some people that are in retail, some people, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm getting a little, a little boring here. So here's the gist of it. I had this, this ideal thing. And at the very start, I had a pre-commitment and that's the word I'm going for. I had a pre-commitment that we were going to create that collective no matter what. So imagine if you're looking at a map, there's the start point, and I pre-commit, and I have an end point, and I pre-commit that I'm going to get there. We are going to figure that out. Okay, I've got the ideal scenario. Now, the means, I never pre-committed to the means. This thing started out because all I knew was that, all I really knew was network marketing. So I was like, okay, well, it's got to be a network marketing company. And that just didn't, it was really lame. You know, there's just a lot of lame attachments when you go with that model sometimes. So I realized that model was kind of lame. Then we went kind of 
membership site but that was kind of lame because it, you're just paying for information. So that didn't really work. And we've been three years of really not having it work. <laughs> the means have darted and changed like 10, like 10 times, you know, and then we went gamified and then that was good. But then we thought, well, what if we added like this ring bearer element, which was like a leadership, blah, blah, blah. My point is I never committed to the means, but I pre-committed to the outcome. And though we have darted and changed the, you know, we've, uh, we've sidestepped and tweaked and, you know, iterated endlessly, the outcome is getting clearer and clearer and actually better than the outcome that I previously, you know, had. So the outcome's getting cleaner, but I never committed to the means, but I pre-committed to the outcome. So I was sharing with the boys, I think that that is the ultimate predictor of success is are you pre-committing to the outcome because if you are and and the mistake is if you pre-commit to the means for instance um like with our renaissance product i was telling the guys um because we just had another an invisible empire sale internet marketing at large i was like you know if someone wants to make a renaissance sale it's five thousand dollars it pays three thousand dollars i said you know there's been about i estimated 25 to 30,000 people have made that sale. Okay. It's not like there's a lot of models to look at. You can visit, you share it with your uncle and he buys it, share it with your brother. He buys it, go online, sell it, post a webinar, post a picture of a savings and someone buy. like there's probably 20,000 different ways that people have done that. But what happens is if they're not committed to that outcome and they're committed to the means, it has to be through Facebook marketing. It has to be through my, the coworker who's next to me who likes travel. And if they don't, like if there's a pre-commitment to the means, the outcome is at, is jeopardized, massively jeopardized. But if there's a crystal clear commitment that whatever it takes, that's where I'm going to end up. That I think is the ultimate pre-commitment to the success of that venture. Whether it's, you want to be a millionaire, like there's a million ways to make a million bucks. If you're pre-committed that I'm going to be wealthy or I'm going to have residual or passive income streams or I am going to be um, whatever that outcome is, the means will dart around how it happens. It'll always be just a wild ride. But if there is a total pre-commitment to the outcome, it's, it's kind of just done. But if, but again, but if there's a belief that the means have to be such, they have to be this way, then what happens is those means get, there's, there's something always that goes awry and people die in the middle of the means instead of at the outcome they desire. Gents, did I sum that up okay? Or was I a little watery or what? No, that okay. fairly clear? That was good. All right. So Ty, Ty's got a kind of question, comment. Ty, speak into here. I'm just literally opened up my laptop. So there might be a little reverberation in the background there, but Ty, blast in your voice on here. I'll make sure I hear it too. Yeah. So what are a couple things that you believe that are important to pre-commit to yourself before you start the journey, knowing that things will deviate during? Yeah. All right. And this, this was big. I was just talking with the kids the other day. So there's a, there's a proverb that says that you're to write the words on the tablet of your heart. Okay. So if I, and I was telling the kids, I was saying, let's say you want to make 10 grand a month when you're 18. Okay. You can put that in your mind and literally you can feel thought. And this is kind of weird, but as a listener, just play with, play this, 
Bryce, play with this idea like right now. Imagine and think of yourself earning 10K a month, okay? Now think of, um, think of eating at restaurants more with the 10K a month, thinking of whatever, just whatever, think it. When I say those words, it actually, where that thought is located is actually in your mind. You can sense it physically, the thought physically in your brain, okay? Now, if you write it on the tablet of your heart in Hebrew, that means your guts. It's really your intestines. It's, it's in the feeling area. So now I want you to feel right now 10 grand just got wired into your account right now. Feel like literally feel that whatever your bank balance is, there's 10K more of it right now. And in 30 days, there's going to be another 10K of it. Now just feel it. Now feel yourself looking at your bank account and it growing just steady and faithful. And when you feel it, it's so much more real. It's so much more compelling. And it actually gives you that endorphin kind of like, it gives you that drug of addiction that is a positive addiction. So that's like, you can visualize in your head. So Tyler, the question was, what, what's the, what was the question again? What are a couple things to pre-commit to yourself yeah. before you start? So I think the biggest pre-commitment is the feelings and to start hacking the feelings that you want before you get the outcome you want. Because if you don't do that, you are going to be utterly disappointed when you attain your 10,000. Because you're really going for a feeling. That's all you're going for. Right. So you might as well start like practicing that feeling because a we move towards comfort and away from pain and if you don't know what it feels like to make 10 grand you're actually going to be nervous about it and if you if you really like in 10 grand let's get the better number 50 grand okay if 10 grand i'm actually inside going like why are you telling people 10 grand that is not what my listeners care about all right let's go to 50 that gives a little bit more you know spice to the matter but if you're not like if you're feeling it, all of a sudden you're going to learn a little bit about what a half a million dollar tax strategy looks like. And you're going to feel what that deposit looks like. It's not going to freak you out. Right. Like you're basically preconditioning yourself to feel comfortable with that. So I think, Tyler, the first one is getting it out of your head and even out of your dream board. If you do like a dream board or you have visuals or cues here and there and really just fall in love with the feeling of that first. I think that's the biggest one. Like, what's the real reason I'm wanting this or desiring this? And just feel it. Like, maybe it's a new car. Can you feel what it'll be like to be in a new car? So I, I would move it from thought, purely intellectual, and, and in the space, literally, physically, in your brain. I'd move that feeling into your gut. Because it's, it's way more powerful, it's way more addictive, and it's a lot more fun to play with the feeling. It's, it's a much more um, artful visualization than just prep, thinking. Yeah, it'll prep you for that, that time to actually come. Like, yeah, actually. yeah. And um, you might as well feel it anyway because that's all you're going for anyway. So you're basically just getting yourself to what you want to feel right away. Matt? Yeah, I was just going to say in terms of like setting that intention and like attach like that feeling itself, how do you go about, how would you share with people like a healthy timeline 
where it's say you have an intention and it doesn't, you don't actually take action on it right away. My basically my example is it took me about eight months of wanting and feeling, thinking about what it would feel like to wake up at seven, seven thirty in the morning earlier and just wait, get a morning workout in instead of later. I felt it for so long, didn't take action right away, but after seven, eight months of just kind of thinking about it, it finally actually came to reality. Yeah. So how do you kind of like, what's your thought, I guess, on intention towards action and the timeline avoiding guilt? So this, that's a freaking great question. And I'm not, I don't know the answer, but I got an idea. So when you feel something that you want to feel and an outcome that you want, it's almost like, imagine there's two magnets. There's a magnet on your left, which is your current reality. You're sleeping in. Uh, you're getting to the gym at 1030, but the days it's 1130 and you're feeling a little tinge of guilt and just, that's just your habit. That's the force of your habit. And that's a magnet on your left. It is the dominant magnet. It's the size of a bowling ball. Okay. Now for, it took eight months or nine months of you to feel, now there's a magnet on the right and that's getting up at seven, working out, having breakfast. And by nine thirty, nine thirty, like you're, you're deep in the game. You're deep in the game. Like you got it. You've shooken off the anxiety through the workout. You're poised and ready. My, what I'm guessing, Matt, is that it took nine months to feed that magnet until it got bigger than the bowling ball. So the bowling ball thing started equating with just like guilt and pain and whatever. And the thought of the the self-esteem boost, the productivity boost, the consequential wealth gain, the consequential, you know, uh, extra praise from your social circle that will say like, bro, you're tearing it up. You're getting more done. There's just eventually that bowling ball whittled away, converted and became the magnet on the right until it became not an act of willpower for you to wake up early and do that because the magnet got strong enough. So a lot of people like you go to a, let's just say someone goes to a conference, there's a speaker who comes up and for 30 or 40 minutes, there's just a descent of pixie dust where that person gets a snapshot of what they could become. They see, like you can even listen to this podcast and there's snapshots where you start believing in yourself in a way that maybe you didn't believe before. You get a snapshot like, fuck, I can do this. Like it, it descends it, you feel it. It's just a flash though. What the reason that the conferences eventually do work is because people keep going on and eventually that feeling becomes the dominant magnet instead of the occasional flittering one. Like for me, a feeling of defeat, self doubt, guilt, depression, like my magnet on that side is so tiny. I would have to deposit tens of thousands of those feelings for me to be ultimately depressed, defeated, unoptimized. Like so much would have to happen to build that magnet. So I think if you looked at two magnets, Matt, and I think what happened is screw the timetable that until that magnet tilts and becomes the dominant heavy one, then it you you just attract into it because you've, you've just committed to it. And that's why... You know, I've talked about when I do my runs or whatever, and I'm imagining right now my new imaging because $25,000 a day wasn't doing it for me anymore. I'm doing million dollar steps now every on my walks. I started at thousand dollar steps, but I think I deposited finally, finally, finally until a thousand dollars meant nothing to me. 
and I could earn it almost unconsciously, almost accidentally. And I think you just got to feed that magnet until it becomes the pulling dominant one. So I'd say time, and that's the other thing. I mean, if you pre-commit, time suddenly doesn't count, right? I mean, doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're pre-committed, it, it's just, it doesn't really matter. Right. You talk about going until, not until yeah. a certain time. Yeah, but, but I think that the danger on that is if you're just, if you keep the thought in your head, I'll go until, you're accessing willpower and you've got your, your, your fist clinched, I'm going to make this work. Ugh, no, don't do that. I would just feel it work and feel it work and feel it work until you're not clenching your fist. You're just excited to get to that thing. You know what I mean? Like, Matt, you could have tried nine months ago to set your alarm at 6.30 and barrel out of bed, but eventually it was like you were excited about the option. You were just excited about getting up early and getting the jump on the day. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, the way you break that down, because it was funny that when it, the, the moment it clicked, it just clicked, and I never looked back. But it took me months. Like, I had to have set my alarm 30 to 60 times for early in the morning, and I hit snooze every time. And then one day, I just did it, liked the feeling so much that I never went back, or at least I haven't as of now. So it's kind of, I like, I really like the example of the magnets reaching you, helping you reach that breaking point kind of and becoming more dominant. And for me, and we're talking a, a solid decade, I almost, almost every day, I just woke up with a slight hangover, not a punishing one. It didn't affect my work per se. I was still, you know, 10 to 15 minutes late, just like I am now. Nothing changed, <laughs> but it was like, I would just wake up kind of feeling not like shit, but just not great. And then one day I accidentally didn't drink the night before and I drank a bunch of water and I got a great night's sleep and I woke up and I woke up and I felt amazing. And I'll never forget it. It was one morning. I woke up and I felt amazing. My head was clear. I just felt well rested. I didn't have dry mouth, nothing. And I was like, this feels amazing. I want to feel this again. Like, I really want to feel this again. And now what happened, and I'm, I mean, I'm literally stunned that it happened. I am threatened, like, waking up feeling amazing. I've just chosen that as the dominant magnet versus ending the night. You know, like Sinatra said, he feels bad for people that don't drink because... When they wake up, that's the best they're going to feel all day. You know, I, I get, I understand. I get that. And I still drink. So don't get me wrong. I'm not worried about, you know, throwing it down every now and then. But I used to just throw it down like a lot. You know, and it was a way, it was a form of self-medication is what it was. But regardless, the magnet eventually got so strong that now that is the dominant thing. So I go to bed and I drink water like I used to drink alcohol. Because I wake up and I feel hydrated, ready to go, and it's just a total life-changing scenario. So the magnet got strong enough, kind of thing. Um, Bryce Ty, did you have any follow-up on that stuff? Or? Yeah, one more quick one. So as we head into the new year here at the time of this recording, what are a couple ways in which you think people can kind of uh, 
hit, hit, hit the in-between between setting their goals and setting a timeline on what they want to accomplish, but still keeping that end result in mind and pre-committing to uh, not necessarily a timeline, but to a result. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it's kind of, I'm singing the same song again a little bit because time, timelines are nice because they do give a deadline, a deadline and, and a scarcity is kind of a nice deal, but I, I don't think it's, well, here's what I would say. Like in the early days when I was doing purely business opportunity training, people would come in and they'd say, I have 90 days to make this work. I have to make this work in 90 days. And I said, well, what if success came at like 91 days? What if that's when it showed up? Like, are you really giving this 90 days? Because if you are, like, I'm not sure you should do it. Because what if it takes 91? What if it takes 92? So time, time, I, I don't know. I haven't thought well enough into this. What I would say with the time is kind of like today, I have the hourglass on the one hand, it says, uh, teach us to number our days. And then when you flip it, it says, so our hearts may gain wisdom. And it's like, I would say you have today. And that's kind of like, biblically, time is broken into kind of like morning, evening, days, and generations. They don't talk a lot about, well, actually weeks. Weeks, I take that back. A week is a biblical time frame. And then it's seasons. But it's kind of like... Days seem to be really uh, the, the one. Like you seize the day. Like today is the day of salvation. You know, so I think if, you know, the, in, in the Bible you've got, that's a power statement. Today is the day of salvation. Not next week, not next month, not next decade. Not after you're done with high school. But today is the day. So I think whatever that outcome is, Tyler. So, you know, let's say they got a New Year's goal or a New Year's intention or whatever. Make today, seize that towards that outcome, feel into that, and make progress today. And I think you stack enough todays, meaningful todays on each other, and you can you can shortcut to your outcome just rapidly faster. Just and make the craft. This is the other thing, Todd. I would say there's a there's a skill in the way, in the gap between what you are right now and what you want to have, who you are and who you want to become, meaning who you are now is able to purchase and have and feel certain things, who you want to be, that person is able to purchase and feel and do and maybe be a little more. There's a skill gap. The bridge is a skill. So I would say really focus not focus on feeling the outcome but obsessing on the mastery of that skill. So for me, I knew that Instant response marketing, just the act of marketing, would open an endless amount of power for me because I could market whatever I want. I could be a consultant, teach people how to market. I could market my own ideas. So it's not that my ideas are maybe so powerful because people have great ideas all the time. And that's like I'll hear a great idea all the, like all the time. I'm like, that's a great idea. It just doesn't really matter because you got to market it. And that's what, that's the skill that's in the way of the idea, marketing and executing that. So I would say really a double down on craft and like, like for Tyler, what's an example for you for the new year? Like what's, what's something, you know, to get very tangible. I want to get really good in 2017. I want to commit to mastery in two areas, 
Well, no, no, not. I want the outcome. Oh, the outcome. Yeah, like what? What's that mastery going to lead to? The new reality for you. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So a specific, tangible, like number. So to yeah, say. like a number or a, okay, so or a physical manifested thing. Like you're in your own beachfront home, or I don't know, something okay. like that. Yeah. So 2017, I'd say my number one there is um, paying my paying off my first car. Okay. Okay. So, so there's a skill that'll mm -hmm. get, that'll make that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'd feel what it feel like to have that thing paid off entirely. Mm -hmm. Right. Now I would then double down on what's the skill that'll grease that. And what is that for you? I think it'll be two specific skills. The first one would be, uh, getting, getting more mastery over internet marketing and sales. And the second one would be, uh, more mastery over, uh, all of our Solomon life stuff as well. Right. So finance. Right. So that's what I double down on. And then the car is just an afterthought. I'd still feel, and I'd feel the power of the mastery too, of like, Hey, I know it's an amazing power to be able to know how to create response. That's just going to work and know that it's going to work. It, it's really powerful. So there's a skill there. So I would say when you're setting your, you know, like you, you initially were saying like, let's say someone wants to drop 20 pounds and they want to do it in six months or 90 days or six months or whatever. Like if you've just pre-committed, first off, I would, I would really sauce up that, uh, that intention of dropping 20 pounds because who's to say that that's even healthy. You know what I mean? Some people drop 20 pounds in three weeks and they have, it's not healthy. Like they lose, it's, you know, it's just people get really weird on that. So I would get, find out what that optimal outcome is that you want and get it as refined and dialed in as possible. So it's like, I wake up and I feel great. I'm in new clothes. I'm not starving all the time because some people who want to drop 20 pounds in six months, they're going to spend the next six months in a state of tension Gritting their fist, again, their fist is tight, trying to deny that piece of chocolate cake when they don't even realize they can eat that chocolate cake and it doesn't matter. If they were to wake up and take in a little more fiber and protein, and then if they added weightlifting, like just the act of muscle building can absorb that sugar faster. So it almost neutralizes the sugar. So you can eat more sugar when you're lifting weights. And it metabolizes out and absorbs. So, you know, the idea of just dropping 20 pounds, that's when you get just really weird behaviors going on. People are starving themselves or creating bizarro diets or trying to go straight vegan. They're trying to go straight only, you know, keto. And then they're miserable for months and they got headaches. They're irritable and annoying. And so I would, I would get real clear on like a true optimized outcome that's deeper than some lame number again it's the feeling i want to wake up and eat because people who are overweight love food so if their outcome is the <laughs> it is the blunting of the number one thing they love the conflict and tension is insurmountable which is why they never lose weight or if they lose weight fast it comes right back on because they didn't say i want to love eating i want to love eating and i want to I want to be a size 34 waist and I want a six pack and I want to have a ton of energy and I want to play. I want to be able to climb trees and ski mountains and I want to have sex. And I want my, my libido to be through the roof and I want to be able to enjoy like 
great feasts because you can do all that and eat pretty healthy, but you got to give your time, you know, your taste buds a chance to adapt and some texture and taste replacements from the other food. But if you're food lovers losing weight by stopping eating food, just a massive conflict, just like people who really, really want to be wealthy when they hear the message. Okay. So people who tend to really, really want to generate and possess a ton of money, there's a reason for that. And most of the time it's to buy a bunch of stuff and experience a bunch of stuff. So if you come at them and say, here's the path to riches, stop spending, you know, like if you just lived under a bridge <laughs> or not that, but it's like, cut back, you know, cut out your latte. Okay. Well, downgrade your car. Okay. Okay. Live in a smaller house. Okay. Cut out your vacations. All right. Dress, you know, from Target instead of Nordstrom. Okay. <laughs> You're telling a money, someone who loves stuff and, yeah. and really manifesting and taking, you know, physical dominion over more stuff and more experiences. You're telling them to stop doing the thing that they want the thing for, which is more spending, right? It's just more abundance. So you don't tell a food eater, here's how you get thin, stop eating food. You don't tell someone who likes experiencing and tasting and touching and fine things, here's how you get wealthy, stop spending. Do you see what you do? It's okay. I'm kind of, we're, we're kind of in the rabbit hole here. Was there any value in this? Yeah. Bryce, any final question yeah, or anything? One, this one's a little bit different. All right, um, get it. But so you got your pre-committal. You're right. pre-committed to whatever the outcome is. Right. You don't know exactly, I like the quote, I know, uh, what's the quote, it says, uh, I know where I'm going to go, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Yeah. So once things start moving and changing, how do you determine where to deviate, where to turn right, where to turn left, where to, when to go up, when to go down, that type right. of thing? Is there a thermometer? Is there, um, Yeah. I, I'm feeling warm on this, yeah. on this avenue of go, getting to Well, it's kind of like, well, remember, if you're deep in the desire... And you're deep in like what you want to feel. So let's say it's the 20 pounds off. But what you really want to feel, you've optimized that. You want to feel great and slim into something and eat and feast and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're starting to hack into a diet that feels great. And you're realizing you're not gaining weight. You're actually trimming down. Your abs are getting a little more defined. You're adding muscle. But all of a sudden, you're eating more. And it's feeling wonderful. Your digestion's working. Your mind's clearing. You know, walk in that path a little more. So I would just, I would be radical, radical. Um, Matt, did you have a question or is it a travel question on where we're going? No, no. Just a, a comment on <laughs> yeah. what Bryce's question was. Yeah. One of the first things um, that you ever, I remember ever learning from you is uh, was the concept of like heart-based living. Right. Where so often we come up with these like decisions like, do I go to college? Do I not? And a lot of times we ask binary questions instead of like, you told me a lot of times people need to make a decision and then make it the right one right. instead of getting yeah. so caught up in which, which decision do I make? A lot of times you just make one and then make the best out of that that you possibly can. Yeah. So yeah, you make a decision, you make it the right decision. Right. So I've said that, you know, that's kind of, and our pastor told my mom that when she was deciding whether she should go back to college with young kids. Wasn't that like a JFK quote? Uh, I don't know where it originated from, but it was like, make the decision to make it the right yeah. one. So we had a kid who was looking to move to Phoenix to be around 
our culture a little bit more. And he's, but he had, his parents was, were going to pay for him to be a doctor, but he wants to be an entrepreneur. And he said, I just, you know, I, I want to make the right decision. Should I come to Phoenix? Or should I go pursue my doctorate? And I said, you know, Hey, I'm not, I just don't tell people what to do. It's not my deal because I don't have to do the work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you want to be an entrepreneur? I'm not going to do any of that work. You want to be a doctor? I'm not going to do any of that work. So I'm not going to tell you what to do because that is just misleading. So I'd say make the decision and make it the best decision. Make it like the fateful, wow, that decision hinged. Everything went positive. Yeah. Everything was right because I made that decision. So when you, when you pre-decide that, hey, I made a decision, it's the right decision. Um, it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy on that. Yeah. But Bryce, your question again to nail it, come back around to it, I, miss, I forgot. Like what, what is the, is there ever a thermometer that you have for choosing right, the right path versus the wrong path in getting to the end result when you're in the trenches, when you're actually yeah. in a certain situation? Like yeah. Limitless was... Well, well, even right and wrong. So... Again, binary thinking is black, white, right, wrong, good, evil. There's just a lot of like what is evil for one would actually be good, you know, for another. Right. And, and again, well, that could be taken out of context pretty rapidly. So I'm going to retract that one without right. editing it out um, and, and just let that one be. But I think the thermometer would be keep looking for outcomes and challenge the outcome you're committed to. And challenge, like challenge it, challenge it. So let's just say, um, what's your ideal scenario? I just asked one of the limitless guys this the other day around a cigar. We were going around. What's your ideal? Said, you know, I want a Range Rover in the garage. I want to be a, a block. We either want to be directly on the ocean or on the ocean. Couple million dollar house. I want to have a Range Rover and a Beamer. I want to be able to vacation two, three times a year. I want to be able to have this and that and the other thing. Okay. So that's his outcome. It's, you know, whatever. Doable. A lot of people do it. it. It can work. Now, what I would say for the thermometer on that is poke at it. Poke at that a little bit. Punch it up a little bit okay. to see if it's... Uh, because to do that, you know, he could be in Boise, Idaho. Let's just say he kind of wants to be by... Or he could be in Florida on a, on a less prestigious thing, not California... Like Tony Robbins, he moved from Florida Cal or from California to Florida for tax reasons. Got what triple, quadruple the house, was able to pay it off three times faster, and he just made a lifestyle. He poked at the idea: I have to be in California. So I would say, whatever your outcome is, actually poke around at it, and don't wrap your identity in that future self that this is who I gotta be. Right. And that's coming from personal experience. I I remember I got a house, and I'm glad I did it. But we, we got a house for a year. It was on an acre, fruit trees, grapefruit trees, lemon. Every morning I'd wake up, 60,000-gallon pool. I'd go out there. I had a total privacy so I could be completely in the buck, swim up and down this gigantic pool, go over, pick a fresh orange off a tree, go to my outside shower in the sun, and take my morning shower after I swam in my kind of fantasy backyard and have huge parties there and expensive masterminds. And the reason I did that was because I thought that's what a wealthy guy does. You have to have a big property and you have to do this and that. But I started poking at that because I was like, I wanted to go to Hawaii one day. I woke up and I was like, gosh, I'm paying so much for this house. We should just stay here and enjoy it. 
and I was like, wow, is this, that's not how I want to feel at all. Like this is, that house has just became opposite of what I want it to be. So you got to poke at your thing or you're going to chase and chase and chase and collect and do and be. Then all of a sudden you're going to have your thousand dollar shoes, shoes, your custom shirts. You're going to have all this cash in the bank. And then, holy shit, I don't have a companion. I lost my dream girl in pursuit of this bullshit. My kids don't know who I am. I'm 40 pounds overweight. I don't have any friends. You know, but you got all this bold, stupid stuff. And that happens. It's cliche how much that happens. All right. I think we pushed our minute with Mark to beyond 30 minute with Marks. So all that said, uh, thank you, gents, for the deal. Tyler, thanks for suggesting this be a podcast. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Much love.